0: This is episode 476 with Janine Roth. We are diving deep into the psychology behind eating disorders and how to overcome them, plus so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because we haven't gone super deep into eating disorders before. And I know it's a really sensitive topic for so many people. I personally have dealt with an eating disorder, so I understand. But today, I truly hope you get some answers. Now, this is Janine's second time on the show. She was here for episode 163 which was called Quit Dieting and Heal Your Body. And she is back, but for those that have never heard of her, she has many books and they were among the first to link our relationship with food, with deeply personal and spiritual issues that go far beyond dieting, body image, and weight. Her work proceeds with the conviction that how we do anything is how we do everything which means that how we eat is also how we live. Our relationship with food becomes a perfect doorway to naming and healing our limiting thoughts, negative feelings, and long-held beliefs about being alive. And she says, the world really is on our plate. Lucky us. She is the author of 10 books, including her newest book, This Messy Magnificent Life, and the number one New York Times bestsellers, Women, Food, and God, When Food is Love, Lost and Found, The Caggy Hole in My Heart, and The Cat Who Fixed It. Over the past 30 years, she has worked with thousands of people in her groundbreaking retreats and workshops, and has appeared on numerous shows, including The Oprah Winfrey Show, 2020, The Today Show, Good Morning America, and The View. And for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes as well as all of her books will be there. And that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 476. And now without further ado, let's welcome on for the second time, Janine Roth. Janine, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you
1: tell us what you had
0: for breakfast this morning? <laughs>
1: I had for breakfast this morning, what I have had for breakfast for quite a long time. I'm a one breakfast person for a couple of years, and then I changed breakfasts. I had a matcha latte. And in that matcha latte is matcha, pumpkin seed milk that I make, turmeric, some kind of golden milk elixir, cinnamon, cardamom, nutmeg, and some kind of green powder that has all kinds of vegetables and fruits in it. And then a toasted pumpkin seed tortilla. Was that detailed enough, Melissa? (laughs) That sounds so delicious. I'm coming to your place for breakfast. (laughs) My husband often says to me, teasing me, so what are you having for breakfast this morning? And it's the same thing that I had yesterday. So
0: yes. It makes it easier and it's simple. You don't have to think. You know what you're
1: having. It's easy. Yes, it is. And delicious. Every morning I look forward to it.
0: Oh, that's so good. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I kind of rotate between two different things. So I hear you.
1: Yes, which are what? What do you have?
0: I will either have like a smoothie bowl or oats, oatmeal with wild blueberries and flax and chia and hemp seeds and so much deliciousness. Yum, yum, yum. Well, I'm so excited to have you back on the show. Our first episode we did, which was episode 163. And it was all about quitting dieting and healing your body. And your work and your books have had such a huge impact on me and my journey. So I am so grateful to have you back here. But I really wanted to dive even deeper on the topic of disordered eating, because many people really suffer from eating disorders and they vary from anorexia, bulimia, orthorexia, And I know this is a really sensitive topic, and I want to be gentle around it. But what are some of the common things that you have seen that are emotionally going on for people when they are experiencing eating disorders or eating issues?
1: Um, You know, I think the most important thing, and something that I have really been focusing on recently with people, is When you take away their actions, and I know that's a big thing to take away around food because it's quite dramatic what people do or what people can do around food, there are certain beliefs they've got about themselves. Now, we all have beliefs or what I've been calling unavoidable conclusions we've come to about ourselves years and years ago, before we were even too young to realize we were coming to them, like, I am damaged. Something is really wrong with me. I am not lovable. I am not enough. I am broken. There's no way that I can get what I want, need. Things like that, very core level decisions that people make that then ripple out into their relationships with people, into their relationships with food, of course, into work, into their feelings of self-worth. But you see it. Let's just say somebody is eating, binging at night, every night. I have some students, a student like that who binges every night. What's going on? She's fine during the day. And then it gets tonight, and all the loneliness comes up for her. I feel lonely. I feel unlovable. Nobody wants me. I don't matter. And at that point, if you really believe that and you haven't questioned that, you haven't been with yourself around that, then why not turn to food? If you believe you're damaged and broken and you're unwantable and nobody will ever love you, then food does. Food's right there. Why not? And that's what repeats and does repeat for many people until they actually question what is driving all this food behavior. It's very good, of course, to do what I talk about in my books, which is follow the eating guidelines, eat when you're hungry, eat sitting down, pay attention to the food, eat what your body wants, stop when you've had enough to do that and also to look on a deeper level to see one person wrote me who's in my retreat group. She never realized that she believed that it was up to her to fix everything around her, fix her mother fix her father, fix the so-called brokenness in her family. It was overwhelming. And food was the way that she mediated that. And it's often hard to really stop doing what you're doing with food until you see, touch, question, and are tender with. And this is a really important part, the tenderness. They're understanding how mean most of us are to ourselves most of the time. I call that voice inside our head, the inner
0: mean girl, because she is really mean. She is the one that's like, you're not good enough. You're not lovable. You're not worthy. Who do you think you are? We all have that voice inside our head, which leads to these disordered eating patterns. So how do we begin to unravel that? Because awareness obviously is the first step. Having the awareness that, oh, I'm binging at night because I feel unlovable or alone. That's that's great. That's the first step. But then what? Unraveling decades of programming, it's
1: a process. So what's the next step? Well, the first step is always awareness. And you're not unraveling decades. You're only unraveling this moment. You're unraveling what this voice is telling you now. To think that you have to unravel decades, that's overwhelming already. And you might as well turn to food because who can do that? So what What we're doing is just this much now. Oh, I I am tired and I will not let myself rest. This happens every day because that voice says, you should be achieving. You should be working harder. You should be sacrificing yourself. You should be performing. That the output that you've put out today is not enough. Just get to work, bash, whip bash, whip. So it, because it is for most of us ever present, you don't have to go back decades. You, you hear it now and you just allow that this voice is actually here now and is so mean and turning towards yourself at that point. Being on your own side at that point. Most of us spend 99.9% of our lives not on our own side, not acting on our own behalf because we're scared. Because part of that conditioning, you know, we're listening to our conditioning that says, if you start off feeling like I'm not lovable or I'm not enough. And you learn that. I want to say, Melissa, those beliefs that we took on about not being lovable, not being enough, those were unavoidable. We took them on as kids because we were dependent on our circumstances Because being ourselves just wasn't enough. We had parents who themselves had been conditioned, who themselves didn't know how to turn toward themselves, who didn't know how to recognize, cherish, be kind to us for being different, for being quirky, for just being ourselves, basically. And we needed that love. Now, this is not new everybody kind of knows this already about those conclusions. What is important is the forgiveness part here is saying, just feeling like, oh, what is the belief that I took on here? What do I believe? Because I mean, have you ever seen a baby that wasn't lovable? Have you ever seen a child who didn't matter? That's what we learned. And yet, We believe that and we will keep believing that until we deeply question it. It's not about just recognizing that you have an inner mean girl. It's also about understanding that that inner mean girl developed as the other end of the stick to the one who believes she wasn't worth it. And the inner mean girl came in in order for that other Belief not to spread out and take hold. I mean, if the enemy mean girl kicks you and says, get to work, it's because there's a belief that says, I'm not worthy unless I work.
0: Yeah. And like you said, these are sometimes programmed from a really young age.
1: But it's not the truth. It's a lie. It's really a lie. Right. And I think understanding, first of all, how early we took on these beliefs. And so we have developed habits in order not to feel them, but to counteract them. And one of the habits is working really hard, is performing, is believing that Our lives depend on what we look like. And if we could only get it right or our lives depend on if I were thin enough, then I wouldn't feel unworthy. If I lost enough weight, if I wore these clothes, if I had this relationship, if I had this job, always as a way of mediating or antidoting the very basic belief. Well, let's just forget the middle person and go straight to the belief and say, okay, sweetheart, let's just go back to that belief. What do you really believe? Now, it's hard to to go right to that primary belief, but you can see it in your actions. And so you just look at how hard you're trying. Oh, I believe I have to try really hard because if I don't try, I'm not lovable. Me by myself is not lovable. And then you start turning towards yourself, being the person you've always wanted someone to be with that one. Mm. Being the one you've been waiting for. Because we're born into
0: this world. I have a one-year-old and she is absolutely delicious. And she and all of us were born into this world as perfect, whole, magical, gorgeous little beings, absolutely pure magic. And then these things happen to us. And you mentioned before, you know, maybe we picked it up from our parents because they didn't love themselves. So what is the best way to raise children, to raise girls so that they love themselves so that they don't have to experience eating disorders or eating issues?
1: What is your advice on that? Well, I think I have a feeling, Melissa, you're doing it. I have a very strong feeling that you're already doing that. The way you described her, she's delicious. She's wonderful. She's lovable. I think we raise them by raising ourselves. Mm, Oh, that makes me so... That got me.
0: (laughs) So it doesn't matter what happened to us growing up
1: we get to rewrite it. Yes. And having a child if you're aware and you're paying attention and you you are committed to doing it differently is a way to rewrite it. Not just with her but with yourself.
0: Totally. And I'm so deeply committed and yeah, it's it's so beautiful to get to rewrite that and every time I look at her I visualize my little girl and I visualize speaking to her the same way that I am speaking her name is Bambi the way that I'm speaking to Bambi I visualize speaking to my little girl because she's still in there and then to be honest there's like there has been moments where I've felt like a bit of sadness that I you know, my parents were amazing and they did the best that they could, but there's been a little bit of sadness
1: that I didn't get that, you know? Yes, I do know. Yes. Right. I mean, I have felt the same way. And what I realize is that there is no blame. And it took me a while to get there with my own mother, because I really see that She did the very best she could under a very limited circumstance. And now it's up to me.
0: Absolutely. And we can rewrite it. We can have a do-over and we can reparent ourselves as we raise our children. And someone once said something to me that has stuck with me, and it is, we get to grow with our children. You know, that that whole authoritarian way of parenting, children are seen and not heard. And that whole way is just completely, I I won't say the word, (laughs) but it's just not the way that I personally want to parent. And so my way that I want to parent is I want to grow with her. And every time I look at her, I am growing. The way that I speak to her, I am, I'm growing within myself. And there's parts of me that are healing. And when I feel that pang of sadness of, oh, I didn't get that, it's okay because I can recreate it now.
1: Yes. And you can be the one that you've been waiting for.
0: Mm. (sighs) That's really beautiful. Instead of looking outside of us, waiting for the partner or the children or the job or the size, whatever, to fulfill us, we can
1: fulfill ourselves when we realize that we are the one
0: we've been waiting for.
1: Yes, with kindness and tenderness and a kind of turning towards ourselves, turning towards ourselves, Mm. just being sweet with ourselves.
0: Like you would with children it's been so beautiful to have her because it has softened me so much. It has made me so much softer, more present, more playful and more kind than I've ever been. And on the flip side, there's also been other things, you know, I've been also really present with her, but then a bit more in my head about things, a lot more thinking as a mama, you know, a bit more future planning and worrying and things like that. So I keep reminding myself to come back to the present moment and to just be here with her. And it's really beautiful. It brings me so much joy. So tell me about, there's different degrees of eating issues, right? And there's different labels and things like that. Something that I see in the wellness space is someone who really cares about what they put in their body and yeah, it's such a big priority for them. It's labeled as orthorexia. Can you talk a little bit about that and kind of unpack that? Because I know a lot of people who are in that boat.
1: Well, I'm always interested in what's going on beneath that. That's where my interest is. I don't have judgment about that. I don't, I don't even particularly like using the word eating disorders myself. I don't like labels very much. But when I see somebody and I myself have had quite extreme eating patterns, I have manifested in very extreme ways because of being anorexic for a while and then really over my natural weight and then losing a lot of weight and just being on very extreme diets. Like My brother was reminding me yesterday of the months that I was in high school where all I ate was grape nuts every day, dried grape nuts. I mean, no milk, no yogurt, no nothing, just grape nuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm not quite sure what got into my head about that, but that was just only one in a line of dozens and dozens of extreme behaviors that I have manifested. And what I'm interested in, which, of course, I didn't know then and nobody around me knew then, was what's really going on? First of all, what is eating like that, what you're calling orthorexia, just so utterly focused on every bite? that goes into my mouth, what do I believe I will get by doing this? What is, what's the benefit of it? And usually what somebody will answer is, well, I will be healthier. I will be happier. I will be thinner. I will be in control. I will... Mostly the end result of any behavior. All anybody wants is to be happy. That's all anybody wants. Now you have to go through these hoops, of course. Well, I will be healthy. I will be thin. But so what? Then what? Why do you want to do that? Well, because then I, I will relax. I will be at peace. I will love myself. I will accept myself. I will be happy. So, okay. So you will be happy. Okay. It's really good to see that the only reason anybody does anything, whether it's run marathons, climb mountains, or become an orthorexic is because they believe that in so doing, they will be happy. The end result is happiness. And we all share that in common. All of us want that. Then the next question is, okay, I will be happy. Okay, so what's going on now? Where is the unhappiness? Well, you want to find out then, okay. So you believe you will be happy then because what do you feel now? So if that's the antidote, if that's the decision that you've made about what you need to do in order to be happy, tell me about yourself now. Tell me what's unhappy here now. What do you believe is going on in yourself, about yourself? What do you believe about yourself that you need to do such extreme behavior in order to be happy? Well, usually what will come up immediately is a lot of fear. I'm scared. I'm scared of what will happen if I don't. I'm scared of chaos. I'm scared I'll lose control. I'm scared I will binge. I'm scared I'll start eating and I'll never stop eating. I'm scared I will get cancer. I mean, just fill in the blank. So you want to always go to the deepest possible place to find out what's going on. Any judgment about what somebody is doing is not helpful at all. It's just, it's like throwing sand in the wheels. Recently, my computer and my phone fell into my dog's water bowl and I got it out and my husband said to me, Well, the way to dry it out is to put it in a bowl of rice, uh, dried rice. And so I put it in rice. And this is what happens with eating behaviors. Put it in rice. And then when I took it out of the rice, I saw that a bit of the rice got stuck in the little in this thing at the bottom. And so then I took a safety pin to try to get the rice out. And I totally broke the entire thing with the safety pin. And that's what happens with with these kinds of things. You think that if I do this, if I control what I eat, if I only eat the healthiest thing, if I grill the waitress at every restaurant I'm in, what kind of oil do you have? No, I don't eat seed oil. I only eat olive oil. I only eat grass-fed, grass-finished protein i only eat organically raised greens i only do so what will happen if you don't tell me talk to me about what are you frightened of and then we get down very quickly to fear i'm scared mm. and then we can deal with that
0: what are people usually scared of getting sick putting on weight like when you dig deep with your clients, what are they usually scared of?
1: Well, putting on weight is really the outside of something. That's not where you stop. That's kind of where you can begin. Okay. You'll put on weight and then what will happen? And then nobody will love me. Or then I will not fit into any of my clothes. And then what will happen? And then what will happen? And th- you just want to keep finding. And then what? And then what? And then what? And so what, what are people scared of? They're scared of themselves really showing. They're scared of those that one who believes she's unlovable. She's unfixable. She's broken. She's damaged that she doesn't matter. They're scared of that on the way to feeling scared of that they're scared of losing control. They're scared of losing their jobs. They're scared of eating till they gain a hundred pounds. They're scared of themselves, basically.
0: Mm, 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 That's so interesting. So interesting. So what if someone that we love, we can see that they are experiencing eating patterns that aren't serving them. How can we support
1: them? Well, one way you don't support them is by telling them you think you know what they should do. Mm. Because believe me, they already know. I've gone back and forth with this a couple of times because I have a friend who's suffering from and with the way she eats, but I don't say anything because I don't, first of all, I I know that she knows what I do and she could ask me and she's not asking me. (laughs) And I don't give advice to anyone who doesn't ask me, Mm. period. Because they don't, they don't want it. That includes my husband. (laughs) You know, I try to sort of like direct him a little bit because we're very different with food. And I say, you know, sweetheart, maybe that would not be so that doesn't work
0: at all yeah exactly you've
1: got to wait
0: for the worthy inquiry
1: <laughs> wait for the worthy inquiry you got to wait till somebody asks you
0: totally no one wants to be told and i'm learning this so much with my i have a 16 year old bonus son and he doesn't want to be told i know he doesn't want to be told i just need to let it go and no one wants to be told what to do so So we're not going to tell them what to do. So what can we do? Just be there to support
1: them. Love them. Love them. And, you know, I teach retreats and I've been teaching retreats since 1999. So it's been a while, 1999, 2009, 2019, 23 years I've been teaching retreats. Some of my students in the retreats have been coming to, to the retreats 10 years, some longer, a lot of them shorter. And a lot of them say, and they come because of the community and they come because they love being reminded of, of what serves them, what will, what will really serve them. But they've often said to me, you know, I've heard you say that a hundred times. And because really what's new about what I say, I talk about, listening to your body. I talk about being kind to yourself. I talk about looking at your beliefs. I talk about being the one, you know, just really being on your own behalf. But when you're not ready, you're not ready to hear it, period. Mm -hmm. And when you are ready, you could be walking down the street and two strangers could be walking the other way. And one of them will say, you know, Being on your own side is the only way that leads to change. And you suddenly know, oh, my God, that's true. I often will tell my students, if you come upon somebody who's hacking away at a big rock and the second you walk over to them, the rock actually splits and it opens. And you think it took one second, but it took 10 years because you haven't seen what's gone on before. So you don't know how long somebody needs to do what they're doing until they're ready to say, you know what? This is not working. I am suffering here. And most of us have gotten so used to the degree of suffering we're in. I used to say, that many people believe that it's better to be in control of the pain they can control than their belief than the pain that they can control. So what another way of saying that is I'd rather be the one causing myself pain by eating all the time than stopping using food and seeing what's going on with my heart. That's an unknown and, and I'm vulnerable there.
0: Absolutely. Well, Mm, this is really powerful and really big stuff. Is there any last parting words of wisdom or anything else that you want to share
1: before we part ways? What I want to share is nothing is unworkable. Nothing is unworkable. No situation is unworkable. And, you know, there was something I wrote in Women, Food, and God that I have thought about, and I don't really think about what I write. Very often at all. But this, the the statement was, we don't want to eat hot fudge Sundays as much as we want our lives to be hot fudge Sundays. And I think that's really true. What we want, I mean, of course we want delicious food and of course we would like to sit down and pay attention and we can do all of those things. But what we want is to feel Really alive and vibrant and tender with ourselves, tender with other people around us to remember that any judgment about someone else is self judgment about ourselves and to become aware of the ways that you judge yourself from the moment you wake up in the morning to become aware of that ongoing voice. And what I would recommend is that i mean if you want to see it as the mean girl voice or the crazy aunt in the attic voice or to see it as a tape recording that's going on an old fashioned tape recording in another room and it just keeps playing and playing and playing but you're in another side of the house so what difference does it make that it's just going on and on to stop paying attention to the meanness and every time you find yourself being mean To turn towards yourself and saying, sweetheart, what's going on here? To develop a kind of sweetness and kindness. To go from, as Stephen Levine used to say, the great American mantra was, oh, shit. And instead of that, (laughs) to go to, oh, sweetie. Mm,
0: I love that. That's really beautiful. So powerful. Thank you so much for being here, Janine. Again, for coming on a second time. I love your work. Your books are so powerful and we'll link to them in the show notes. But thank you so much for being here and for your wisdom on this really important topic. I'm so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Thank you, Melissa. Love to you and love to Bambi.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. We didn't have as long as we usually have for this episode today. So I hope you still got so much out of it and feel inspired to investigate your relationship with yourself and to look at yourself with love and kindness and speak to yourself with love and kindness. Speak to yourself like you would speak to your three-year-old or four-year-old self because that little girl or little boy is still inside you. I really hope you got a lot out of today's conversation. And if you did, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. It also means that all of my episodes will pop up in your feed so that you don't have to go searching for a new episode. And come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got from this episode. I absolutely love hearing from you all and connecting with you. So please come over there. And connect with me. Now, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.